0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Thanks, Thanks. It's, it's great to be here and to be able to share. And as Larry said, we were missionaries in Chad, and Chad is not just a person's name. It's a country in Africa, a country that doesn't have a whole lot going for it, unfortunately, um, but it has a lot of people who God loves and whom Christ died for. Um, but I'm not going to be talking about missions this morning. I'm going to be talking about rest in. That's our, that's our sermon topic, and we're talking in uh, Matthew chapter 11 is our passage, and when we talk about resting, really we have to admit that we need to rest because we're tired, and tiredness is really an epidemic in our world today, isn't it? We're tired for so many different reasons. So many reasons. One reason that we're tired is because we have these impossible expectations that we feel like we have to meet. Um, do you have impossible expe- expectations in your life? Do you ever feel like you're being pulled in two different directions all at once? Maybe you've, you've got a boss at work that's asking you to do one thing and another thing and you can't do the, the other thing and still do the, the one thing. and and it's just impossible, and yet your boss expects you to do that? Or how about at home? Your family life, you feel like your, your spouse is asking you to do something that's impossible, that the expectations are too high to meet. Maybe you've got family or friends where they've got expectations, or you feel like they have expectations for you and you just can't measure up. Um, then we got all these social expectations for us. We read Instagram and Twitter, and we feel like, oh, I need to be like that. And then we have these political expectations, too. You know? Do you embrace uh, some of the contradictory political messages that are so prevalent? I mean, Are you tired of politics? If you're not, you will be, because we got another 18 months until the next general election, and we're just going to be inundated by it. Well, there was a poll that was done recently by Business Insider reported on this, the pulse of the nation is what they called it, and they were asking people what they believed and they found a lot of really interesting, um, contradictory statements, impossible expectations that they were believing. And I'm going to warn you, we're going to look at some of these things, and some of you are going to get defensive, and some of you are going to get offended. But don't worry, I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'm going to offend all sides of the aisle, uh, so we're not targeting one side, we're going to hit all of them, okay? Let's do the first poll. Nearly half of liberals who think it's fair for movie stars to make millions of dollars a year think it's unfair for CEOs to make millions of dollars a year. What do you think about that? 44% there in the middle hold both of those positions. That's a pretty significant number. Let's look at the next one. Republicans who believe in free speech are the same Republicans who believe athletes should be prohibited from sitting down during the national anthem. See that free speech in the workplace? But should athletes sit down? Hmm, interesting. Maybe you're angry now. Uh. (laughs) Next one. Do the people who support Trump's border wall think it will be effective in keeping out immigrants who enter the US illegally? Look at this. 22% who supported it say they could get around it. It's an interesting thing to support. Next one. Most of the people who think their economic opinions are well-informed cannot name a single living economist. <laughs> I have to admit, when I read this, I was like, hmm. And I tried to think of a living economist. And uh, it took me a while. And it took me even longer to think of one that I agreed with. Um, but um, we believe a lot of contradictory things, don't we? The next poll kind of puts where the rubber meets the road here. Most partisans are unwilling to switch political parties even if their party's policies were scientifically proven not to work. Look at that. It's virtually the same for Republicans and Democrats. What does that tell us? It tells us that we're pretty much dug in. We've already got our minds made up. You know, those Thanksgiving conversations after Thanksgiving dinner and, and we're all arguing about politics. We're not actually out to learn anything. We just want to kind of advance our, our agenda without, without changing it all. And, um, well, now that most of you are offended, uh, <laughs> I just bring this up because Jesus made some statements that in his day were political statements, and we don't read them as political statements because we're far removed from that context. Um, but when Jesus came and he was the Messiah, you know, when he was the king of the Jews, that was a political statement, because you were saying something about Rome, who were controlling the time. When, you, when he made a statement like that to the Jews and to the Romans, there was, a, there was a visceral reaction to it, and much like the reactions we have today, where there are people that just don't want to hear, they don't want to have their minds changed, and um, yeah, sometimes there is stubbornness. Sometimes there is pride in our own lives. And uh, maybe some of these polls have maybe exposed something in your life. You want to defend yourself. Maybe that's pride. Maybe that's stubbornness. I don't know. Let's, let's move on, though, um, and admit that the human heart hasn't changed. It's the same now as it was centuries ago. And so we're going to look at scripture. Um, but before we do that, let's take just a second to pray and ask God to be with us. Heavenly Father, we We thank you for this morning. We thank you for the chance to meet together, the freedom to come and worship and to learn from your word, Lord. We invite you to be with us. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and convict us, Lord. Lord, open your word to us. Open our hearts. Let our hearts be soft. Open our minds. Let us understand. And Lord, show us where we need to change. Convict us of sin. And be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to Matthew 11, 25 and 26, if you have your Bibles or your Bible app or whatever, or you can read on the screen behind me. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So I read this passage and I thought, well, this is a weird thing for Jesus to say. I thank you that you've hidden these things. And what are these things? What does that mean? What things? Start to think about that. What is Jesus talking about? And he's saying, These things are all the evidences that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. All the proofs, all the facts. And yet Jesus is saying, I thank you that you've hidden them. Well, why would they be hidden? Well, it's because they were hidden from. Let's say, quote-unquote, the wise and the learned. The wise and the learned. They didn't want to accept them. They just wanted to argue about them. And so they were hidden from them spiritually. Um, you know, they were political statements, and they weren't ready to change. And so Jesus has this truth about him hidden. Why? Because they are proud. Let's look at the next verse. We have Proverbs 28 or 26, 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more, hope for him than, there's more hope for a fool than for him. You see, when we're proud, it blocks us from seeing spiritual truth. And that was the case with the Jews and the Pharisees, the people of Jesus' day. They were proud. They already thought they knew it all. They weren't ready to accept Jesus as he was. And our pride keeps us from seeing spiritual truth. And so instead of us being open to what God might have for us, we set the agenda and we say, okay, God, i'm going to tell you what it's going to be like i'll follow you but it's going to have to be this way don't we do that sometimes we decide what god is going to have for us and that's wrong that's sin well we need to back up a little bit in 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 uh, matthew chapter 11 and see what jesus is talking about so let's go back to matthew 11 verses 2 to 6 Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to them, so first John is in prison, John the Baptist, and it was pretty common in those days for people to claim to be the Messiah. John had a little bit of a doubt. He wasn't quite sure, wanted to be sure, was open, was open to whether Jesus was the Messiah or not. That's important. But he sends his disciples to Jesus to find out. So they say, are you the one who is to come? or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. You see, all of us have these preconceived notions about spiritual truth, about God, about religious life, about what God wants for us. The Jews were no different. The Jews had preconceived notions. People of Jesus' day did. And John was ready for Jesus' truth. But his disciples asked Jesus a very simple question, a yes or no question. And Jesus answers with a riddle. Can you imagine if you were John's disciples? Why did he, why did he not say yes? Why didn't he just tell us the answer? But He, he sends a riddle back with John's disciples. Well, what's he doing here? What in the world is that all about? Well, there was a cottage industry of being a messiah in those days. Jesus wasn't the only person that they thought was a the messiah. There were people before Jesus that claimed that they were the messiah. And so <clears throat> they needed to find out the truth. And it didn't, if you said yes, that didn't necessarily mean that you were the messiah. So what did you need? You needed a proof behind that. Well... It's not unlike today. Even in today, we have people who claim to be Jesus. Let's go to the next slide. So National Geographic, every year around Christmas and around Easter, National Geographic, Time Magazine, Newsweek, all the newspapers, they run articles on the real Jesus. Don't be surprised, every time they do this, they're just rehashing the old liberal talking points that Jesus, you know they deny the supernatural power of Jesus. Was he actually there? You know, they say he's a legend. Don't be deceived by that. It's the same thing every year. Um, but in 2017, National Geographic had an article on self-styled messiahs. And they followed a few few individuals around the world that claimed they were the messiah. So let's go and look at some of them. These are real interesting. Here's Inri Cristo from Brasilia, Brazil. He's tra- traded his donkey for a motorized scooter. He's, his, he's got followers, amazingly, mostly young women. Um, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, he claims he's the Messiah. Let's go to the next one. Here's Jesus of Kitwe, Kitwe, Zambia. Um, he's traded his donkey for a car with Lord of Lords scratched on the side. I'm not sure if that's an upgrade or not. Um but again, you see, he's walking. He has his followers. All of these people have followers, by the way. It's very fascinating. Um, let's go to the next one. Here's Vissarion, Christ of Siberia, from Siberia, Russia, and he's he's the one that's best rocking the Jesus look. I'll admit that. <laughs> um, they're reenacting there the David's last or, uh, um, Da Vinci's Last Supper, I think, or the, the painting anyway, and. Um, He's got almost 10,000 followers in Siberia. That's pretty amazing. Um, I don't know what they call themselves. uh, But, yeah. Something to think about there. Uh, Let's go to the next one. (laughs) This is the most uh, fascinating one of them all. David Shaler. Yes, he's smoking something there. Uh, A.K.A. Messiah. And you see he's giving a sermon on the mount as a transvestite. Um, The most disturbing thing in this picture and there's many of them is that there are actually seven people listening to him so him or her or whatever you want to say so we don't have you know Jesus today didn't have a monopoly on people claiming to be the Messiah we're doing it today too just because you claim to be the Messiah doesn't necessarily mean that you are so how do we know well um, Jesus says you'll know a tree by its fruit, right? You'll know a tree by its fruit, and that's why he listed what happened around him. The, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk again, the dead are raised to life. Let's see any of these guys raise the dead. Can they do that? Um, but even when Jesus was doing that, that wasn't what people were looking for. They had already decided what the Messiah would look like, and they weren't ready to hear it. Let's look in Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 to 19. But to what shall I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you. You did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking. And they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. If you were there, wouldn't you say, man, I can't win, right? This is the Charlie Brown moment where he says, good grief. You do one thing, you get upset about it. You do another thing, they get upset about it. What am I supposed to do? Well, Jesus couldn't win. They had already decided what their Messiah would look like, and what's more, they've decided what following God would look like. You see, the Jews um, at that time weren't interested in changing paths. Um, they were presuming upon the Lord, uh, you know, kind of presuming their own expectations upon Him instead of the other way around. And uh, let's go to John fourteen six. Or oh, sorry, yeah, no, right there, right there, Ben. <laughs> I jumped the gun. <laughs> Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Father. No no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. So I thought about this and I said, This sounds a lot like another thing that Jesus said in John fourteen six. Do you know it? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a very important verse to remember. Jesus was the only way to God, but the Jews had already established their way to God. They had already decided what the path to God looked like. They had 613 laws that they were supposed to obey. Can you imagine that? 613 that you were supposed to know and you were supposed to follow. And they had to follow these to be holy. They had to follow them to be religiously clean, They had to follow them to get to heaven. The sad thing is that these commandments started out as a sort of protection for the Jews, to keep them protected. It was meant for their good, but over time, these laws evolved into a burden that they couldn't carry, a burden that was so great that nobody could measure up to. It was impossible. It was too big. And so when Jesus came, There was no way he was going to measure up to all their expectations. They had created this system that was impossible to to measure up to. And not only could Jesus not measure up, no individual could measure up, no matter what. Um, The bar was set too high, and they were always playing catch-up. But the more they played catch-up, the further they got behind. And I think that resembles our world a lot today. The more we try to stay caught up with the world, the more we feel like we're getting behind. More and more things, there are more and more expectations on us. We're always playing catch-up and never able to meet the impossible expectations. Do you feel like that? You feel like that in your own life? Well, we have things that help us feel like that. Let's go to the next slide. Social media really helps us feel like we're not staying caught up with the world, doesn't it? Boy, we see all these uh, actors and actresses and people who seem to just have their life all together, right? You know, I learned, I, I saw a, a meme the other day. It said, "Everything I learned about the Kardashians, I learned against my will." Um, <laughs> but people, re- they see these these actors and actresses and. And they feel like, I need to be doing that, too. We read our friends' Facebook posts and their Twitter things and their, their Instagram pictures, and we think, Oh, I should be doing that. Why am I doing Why am I such a horrible person? My house is always dirty, and look at their house. It's beautiful. Don't come to my house, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, and we have these, we, we, we foist these, these expectations on ourselves that are impossible to meet. And uh, we can never reach it. We're confused, we're tired, we're frustrated, and the sad thing is that most of us are not ready to admit it. We're not willing to. We're not willing to admit that we're tired of trying to keep up with the rat race. Do you feel that way? Let's go to the next picture. Do you ever feel like this? This is pretty much what an adult feels like most days, right? Stuck but pretending like everything's fine. Hey, bud, you okay there? Oh, yeah, fine, just rest in my head in this lounge chair. Do you need some help? No, I'm okay. I meant to do this. I'm okay. You know? Can anybody relate to this picture? And then we go on social media and we just crop out the lounge chair. Say so everything's fine. We pretend like it's not there. The fact is that tiredness is an epidemic in our world. I found another thing. Being an adult is easy. This is for teenagers, but you've all left, so you're not going to get this nugget of truth. Um, You just feel tired all the time, and you tell people about how tired you are, and they tell you how tired they are. (laughs) Right? That's pretty much the essence of adulthood. Moms, do you feel that way? Mothers of preschoolers? Yes? No? Yeah. This is funny, because it's true, right? Well. Let's go to the next slide. What keeps parents going? Have you ever asked this question? Coffee, Coffee, four hours of sleep, magic, anyone? (laughs) Sheer willpower? Then some say, I don't even know anymore. Just keep going. Well, coffee's great, right? But coffee doesn't fill that, that, that need. It doesn't satisfy the desperateness that we have. Uh, even the best coffee can't do that, and there needs to be something more. Jesus knew that. God knows that, and yet we still keep pretending like, no, this is all there is. Well, let's go to Scripture again, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light we're all looking for peace and we're all looking for rest we're all looking for that ah, moment when we put our feet up and feel like we don't have to do anything anymore but this peace and this rest is only found in Jesus but there's an important thing it's predicated on Jesus' yoke do you know what a yoke is a yoke is when a wooden beam is put across an ox to tie it together with another oxen And it means that Jesus is inviting us to come next to him. He's inviting us into fellowship with him. He's inviting us to companionship with him. That's his yoke. But too often our pride gets in the way. You see, we can't yoke an animal if that animal hasn't been broken. You know, If you try to bring an unbroken cow or horse and yoke it together, it will constantly pull away and want to do its own thing. And aren't we kind of the same way? We pull away from God. We want to do our own thing. I've never broken an animal, but when I was in Kenya, I had a camel. We named him Pedro the camel, and we got this camel because we wanted to go into like the deep interior parts in the bush. There were no, there were no roads, just footpaths, and we would take the camel, and we put the, the, all our equipment on the back of the camel, and we would trek into the bush and our our dream was that we're going to ride this camel like we ride a horse but when I got Pedro the camel he was totally wild and so I needed to break him I needed to train him we called it camel training but it was more like camel wrestling you see a camel is a herd animal and herd animals the strongest one is the leader and so they have to constantly they're constantly testing each other to see who the leader of the pack is going to be and so I had to establish myself as stronger than the camel, which meant you know, putting the camel in a headlock, wrestling with him, doing whatever I could to get Pedro to submit to me. At the end of the day, Pedro never really respected me. I'll admit that. <laughs> the only thing Pedro respected was my stick. I'd be like, Pedro, come on, he'd just look at me, I'd lift up my stick, he'd start moving, he knew what that meant. All you animal rights activists out here. (laughs) Taking Pedro on a trek was not easy, let's just say that. Pedro didn't want to go. So I'd have to lead Pedro, but it wasn't really leading, it was me pulling him the whole way. And Pedro would constantly be pulling back against me he'd be wanting to turn around go back to town, go back to where he sleeps I just think aren't we the same way with God we don't submit to him we pull away, we want our own thing we don't want to go where God is taking us and it's tiresome taking Pedro on a trek was not all it was cracked up to be And sometimes it was just easier to just go without him and when we fight against god it makes us tired you know, our our culture tells us you just got to try more you got to try harder just pull up your socks a little more and you, you'll do it next time come on try a little harder and then in church we get the same message but we dress it up with churchy language and so we say well you just got to pray more have you prayed about it pray more maybe you're not praying enough have you read your bible maybe you got to read your bible more. Have you fasted about it? Maybe you've got to fast. And we just change it, and it's just all oh, more, 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 more. you just got to do something more. And it's tiresome, isn't it? It's tiresome. And Jesus doesn't call us to that. He calls us to compassion. He calls us to companionship, to an easy yoke, to a light burden. But doing it our way is tiring. Jesus says, come to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I thought about that. I was like, is Jesus' yoke easy? There's a theologian back around 400 AD. His name was St. Augustine. He wrote a lot, of, a lot of what we understand about God is because he set us on, on the course about that. And He made a sermon about this verse. And he, he noted that Jesus' yoke doesn't seem very easy. In fact, it seems like we're trading rest for labor because Jesus calls us to a life of persecution, suffering, trials, right? Says, don't be surprised when these things come your way. And so instead of getting something that seems easy, we get something that seems a whole lot harder and we say, I wanna go back to how it was. But he compares it to the merchant ship on the high seas, braving storms and waves so that they can bring home riches for himself and his family. or The hunter who gets up early in the morning braves the cold, braves the forest and the wild animals to go and hunt, to bring some food back for his family. And they have their eyes set on on a goal further out in the future. And when they get to that it, it makes it all acceptable. And yet, as Christians, it's not just that we have a goal. We do have a goal. We know that heaven is waiting for us. But we also have The Holy Spirit. We have Jesus' presence with us right now, and that is what makes all the difference in the world. You see, when I was in high school, I did track and field. I know you look at me and you think, hmm, you must have been a shot putter. Uh, (laughs) But I did the running. I'm not quite sure why I did track and field. I I didn't realize that track and field involves a lot of running, I just wanted to race people. That's all I wanted to do, but most of the time was just spent practicing, and that meant running, and that was not pleasant for me. You're running, you're getting the shin splints, it's painful, you're tired. I almost gave up. I didn't want to sign up for that. But then, I got a couple friends, and we would start running together. And suddenly, I'm forgetting about my shin splints, and I'm forgetting about, how hard it is to run. I'm forgetting about the pain in my sides because we're talking and we're chatting as we're running and one of them says, let's go over here and I know a cool trail we can run down and, and we're running there and you get to the end of the practice and you're like, well, that wasn't so bad. I did it. You know? Well, that's the idea with Jesus and us. When we come alongside Jesus, he takes that heavy burden away. And we're not burying it ourselves. He's taking it away. We don't even think about it because we enjoy his presence so much. He gives us the strength to get through. He's the one making the decisions for us, not us. His companionship is what makes a burden light. So we have a choice to make this morning. We have a choice between humility and pride. Humility and pride. Humility is saying, okay, Lord, I'm coming to you, whatever you have for me, as long as you are next to me, I'm going to do it. And then we have the pride. That's the one that's tiresome. It's the one that, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to fight for my own rights. I'm going to pull away from God. I'm going to try to get God to see it my my way. And so Jesus is calling us to make a decision this morning. Are we going to bow our heads to Jesus, or are we going to insist on our own way? We have to choose him or against him we can't just you know, the default choice is against him we have to actively choose him so what about you this morning what place does Jesus have in your life you know, I know that there are a lot of people in here this morning and people come to church for all different reasons some people come for the donuts my kids do they're pretty disappointed when the glazed ones are gone uh, People come to make contacts, business contacts, people come because they enjoy the fellowship. When I was in Africa, people came to church just to dance. Um, That's real different than here. Um, But it's true, and then when the sermon would come, they would go outside and talk, and then when singing would come at the end, they'd come back and dance, and that was what they liked about church, was dancing. People come to church for all different reasons, and maybe you're here and you don't know him. Well. In our passage, Matthew 11, 25 to to 30, there are three categories of people. There are people who the truth of Jesus had not been revealed to them. They couldn't see who Jesus was. Then in verse 27, there are the people who were struggling because they were trying to do it their way. And Jesus says, you come to the Father through me. And then there's a third category of people, the people that are enjoying Jesus' presence because they know Jesus what it's like to give him their burdens to give him their trials so let's go through these number one do you know him You know, maybe you've come to church all your life like me when i was young i grew up in church but my pastor kept saying you have to know jesus like he's your best friend you have to have a relationship with jesus and I was struggling with that truth because I knew a lot about Jesus. I knew all the stories, but I knew I didn't know him. I knew that I didn't know him like a friend. And that sought, set me on a course to know him and to make him the Lord of my life, you know, it's to recognize that he is my savior and that he's saving me from my sins and he's saving me to something so much greater than I can do for myself. Do you know him this morning? Second, are you struggling by yourself? You know, this is the social media aspect. Are you just trying to keep up with all these unrealistic, impossible expectations and you're struggling and you've got these burdens that you're trying to bear and you're saying, I'm just gonna try a little harder. I know I'm almost there, I can just do it. I'm gonna do more and you need to come to God on God's terms and say, God, take this burden, I can't carry it. I need to give it to you. Maybe you've got hidden sins in your life, you've got that one thing that you're just too ashamed to tell anyone about, and you're carrying it all by yourself. And Jesus says, come to me, bring it to me. My burden is light, my yoke is easy. Are you getting tired? Are you tired of carrying those things yourself? Repent give it to Jesus and come to him and the third thing Do you know the joy of his presence? This is where we all want to be. This is where we all need to be Knowing Jesus knowing what it's like to have him at our side and to say life is hard Yeah, but Jesus is there with me and he's helping me There's something more to life than just what I see Jesus is helping me through all of it and we know him more and more and we know his peace more and more we know his rest more and more and we find our rest in him and we give him our tiredness and we say take it Lord I don't want it anymore I want your peace I want your rest the choice is ours this morning but you need to make it for yourself let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for this morning and we thank you for your word and we thank you that we can come to you with all of our troubles and all of our trials Lord we can come with all of our burdens and we can lay them at your feet Lord and we say I don't want them anymore I want you Lord I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict our hearts places where we need to give it to you where we need to confess that we haven't been following you that we've been pulling away from you Lord Lord convict us show us where we need to change and then help us to give it to you Give it over to you 100%. And let us find the rest that only comes from you. We thank you, Lord, that you are good. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message, North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.